You're listening to episode two of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Tara, he's Alex, and this is our take on the drama and intrigue of Harper's Bazaar. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to episode two of Chirps. Alex, I guess we're not a one-hit wonder, although, well, I mean, technically, maybe we peaked with episode one. We'll have to wait and see, but... It it might not even been a hit. True. Uh, Maybe we haven't had our one hit yet. (laughs) Maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. The point is, we made it to episode two, and we'll see what happens from there. But thank you to everyone who listened and who commented. Um, Seriously, uh, we mean it when we say that we want to know what you guys think and what you like and what you want to hear us talk about. Um, As the great Cardinal Gifts said on Twitter, as he always so eloquently does, uh, this show's for you, and we want you to want to listen to it. So, um, you know, we want you to add it to your list of 839 other Cardinals podcasts that you listen to every week. So feel free to tell us what works and what doesn't, what we should discuss, what you think about our obviously blazing hot takes. Um, And this week, we're going to dive into what will now forever in my mind only be referred to as Harper's Bazaar and talk about Bryce Harper. Before we get to that, I should clarify, uh, we're recording this several days before you'll actually hear it because uh, both Alex and I will be out of town um, the next several days. Alex, I think your trip sounds a little more exciting than mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to Turks and Caicos for a couple of days. That's uh, definitely more exciting than a work trip to Utah. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, we'll both be out of town. So we wanted to make sure to get this recorded. Uh, that means, however, that should there be any sort of crazy breaking news on the Bryce Harper front, we're not going to cover it. So just so you know where we're coming from. Um, But Alex, I feel like we could talk about Bryce Harper now and we could talk about Bryce Harper in a month and probably still have plenty of new things to say. Yeah, and, and new things to say, but also in that window, probably... Uh, not a lot's going to change because this is going to last through the winter meetings, don't you think? I I think so. You know, it's Scott Boris, so you can never be right. completely sure of what's going to happen. Um, but you know, it does seem like this is such a big contract that's going to be inevitable, whatever the numbers end up being. That it's it's going to take some uh, it's going to take some back and forth. And I know I saw some people on Twitter already who are. Uh, kind of bemoaning the fact that, um, you know, Bryce wants more money and he wants more years. And if he's going to haggle with it and not just take an offer, then you don't want him anyway, which let's be clear, that's how this works. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. That's how these these contract negotiations go. And with an agent like Boris, you know, he's going to drag it out until he thinks he's got the best possible option. Um, we just hope that best possible option, it, well, I don't want to speak for Alex. I th- I hope the best possible option ends up being St. Louis, but there's uh, a lot of pieces that have to fall into place uh, before that happens. Yeah, um, it came out uh, the last couple of days that the the Nats offered him, what, 10 years at $300 million. Mm-hmm. Um, One, um, just those two numbers in a vacuum, um, to me, that feels a little low just that the 300 million part. But 
it was also reported uh, without a no trade, which is almost um, something that you would assume just comes automatically with a contract like that. I don't know what the, the deferred money situation was. So it's kind of very hard to tell how serious of an offer that really was, or if it was just something where the Nats can kind of placate the fan base and say, like, look, we tried in the event that, they, that he doesn't end up signing with the Nats, they can say, look, we tried to get this guy. We offered him $300 million. $300 million is a awful lot of money for anyone, let alone a player who is really, really good, but he's not a perfect player. He's not Mike Trout. Um, at his peak, which was, was that the 2015 season, he was pretty much Mike Trout. But, but that, that was, I don't know, more of an outlier than, than his last couple of seasons, which have also been perfectly fine, if not very, very good. So I, I don't know. It's really interesting to see whether or not the Nats were completely serious with that offer or, you know, again, I don't know the full details of it, but it sounds like it was never meant. I, I can't imagine they ever thought that that would be something that would be accepted if it, if that is the case that it was with, without a no trade and all that. It, it does seem very much like they felt like they had to make him an offer, but they didn't feel like they were in a position to make him the offer that would win them that bidding war without other teams so I have a question for you because um, several years have passed now, um, a lot of years have passed now, um, when we went through this with Pujols. And is that kind of what the Cardinals did with Pujols? I guess my question is, do you think the Cardinals' offer to Pujols was not a 100% serious offer, we absolutely have to get this guy, and more of an offer of, we want to show our fans that we offered him a lot of money, but deep down we knew he probably would reject it? You know, I have a hard time comparing as if it's apples to apples. And I'm glad you brought that up because a number of people in conversations I've had about Bryce Harper in favor of the Cardinals signing him, a number of people have used the Albert Pujols situation to say, stay very far away from this contract for Bryce Harper. Um, It is. And we'll talk more about that. But I'm glad that you brought it up uh, to start with, because I think that's a good point. Um, I, I don't know that it, it was necessarily the same. I feel like the Cardinals offer was a bit more competitive, but I think where the Cardinals were at was that they, they saw a 31 year old player who was probably not going to play at his peak for very many more years. And the offer he wanted was not only outside their comfort zone, but more than they really felt like he was going to be worth, especially in um, you know, the second half of that contract, which has played out exactly how they expected it to, right? Are you saying they reached their uh, puke point? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I think, I don't know that that's where the Nationals were coming from, that like, this is our best and final offer, as much as it was, we're going to give you an offer that's, um, according to the Washington Post article, it would have been the biggest single contract offered to a player in any one of the four major sports. Um, So it's not like it was a tiny little sliver of a slap in the face offer. It just, I don't know that it was quite the same as far as the tipping point for where they were versus where the Cardinals were with Pujols, if that makes sense. No, it it absolutely does. And um, of all the Cardinals front office uh, isms, I uh, puke point is definitely my, (laughs) my favorite. Uh, there are plenty of them to choose from. <laughs> yeah, there are. There are a lot of them. I, I was thinking about this today. I just kind of broke it down into kind of like four different things. Um, one, can they afford Harper? Two, will or should they obtain Harper? 
three, would he come to St. Louis? And four, will he come to St. Louis? Um, and they're kind of all dependent on one another. And number one, can they afford Harper? I think the obvious answer there is yes, right? Like they, one, they went through this last year. They showed last year that they were willing to pay Stanton a ton of money. And, you know, they, I, I think, you know, John LaRue of Viva Alberto's had a, had a, a helpful column that kind of showed like all their contracts. Um, and, and Paul DeYoung is the only player that signed through 2022, not counting arbitration guys who will be coming up and he'll only be getting like, I think less than 7 million uh, per season, you know? So it's not like they don't, it's not like they have a bunch of baggage, you know, that they have to have to worry about. Yeah. And I think that is one of the most important pieces of this because as many people who have tried to tell me that a contract like this will handicap the Cardinals moving forward, to me, I feel like that's disregarding the massive amount of young cost controlled talent that they have right now that can balance that out. I mean, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't, have money to pay a superstar when you've been so deliberate about building from the ground up within your organization so that you have just this plethora of major league capable players, then you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Um, So I think you're right. It, It seems very clear that the money is there. It's not a matter of spending this money now in a way that's going to cripple the team going forward. It's a matter of spending the money in a smart way so that the team's in a good position moving forward to to take advantage of all that young talent that they do have. Well, okay. So I think that moves to the second point in terms of um, would this be spending money in a smart way? Meaning number two, will or should they obtain Harper? Uh, short answer, yes. <laughs> but I do also want to um, mention uh, a piece written at Birds on the Black uh, by Chuck Brownson um, because I just he he brought out some numbers that I think really put in perspective what Bryce Harper has done and what he's capable of. Um, so I'm just going to read off some of these numbers. In the history of baseball, only 21 players have averaged a 140 weighted runs created plus or greater in 3,500 or more plate appearances before they turn 26 years old. So that's sort of the category that Bryce Harper is in, right? Okay. Only 21 other players have averaged 140 weighted runs created plus or higher, which is what Bryce Harper has done over the first seven years in his career. 16 of those other players are Hall of Famers. Okay. And the other four are Mike Trout... Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez, and Shoeless Joe Jackson. Right. So the other four either will be Hall of Famers or would be Hall of Famers, but for some unfortunate scandals. Right. So the point is, he's in rare company through the first seven years of his career, and he's only 26 years old. Listen, we're talking about a player that's in elite company. So should the Cardinals go get Bryce Harper, as far as baseball is concerned, it seems to be a resounding yes. Now, the thing that gets tricky about contracts, right, is that you're paying someone based on what they did in the past for what they're going to do in the future. So if you're looking at the next 10 years of Bryce Harper, you have to sort of weigh what what that reality is going to look like. If you haven't read that that article by Chuck, he goes into that and compares what those same 20 other players did in the next seven years of their career as well. Um, spoiler alert, it's pretty good. <laughs> so uh, the the numbers breakdown makes it seem very, very enticing 
to add a player like Bryce Harper when he is 26 and is going into really the prime years of his career anyway. Well, that's what makes you know him such an attractive and unique free agent. Um, and, and this harkens back to why I really um, wanted the Cardinals at the time to sign Jason Hayward because signing him would have meant locking up a bulk of his prime because he was only, I think he was the same age as Harper, right? And, you know, if you sign Harper to 10 years, you're talking about possibly seven, maybe even eight seasons of his prime. I mean, Matt Holliday was still a very, very solid player up until he was, you know, 35 years old. I, and I think, you know, as, as great as Matt Holliday is, Bryce Harper is, is a better player than Matt Holliday. Um, if, you, if you look at, I, I was looking at some numbers earlier today, starting with 2015 and 2015 was basically when he broke out and he had that, he was an MVP and he, I think by fan was like close to like a nine win player. Um, but between 2015 and 2018, where he's had a few like peaks and valleys, um, he's had a 410 on base percentage. He was still a three win player in 2016, which was his worst season in those four seasons. And his 373 on base percentage in what was the worst of those four seasons would have basically led the Cardinals last year. He would have been right there with Matt Carpenter. My long-winded point here is that people complain like, oh, he's great one year and then not not good at all the next year. Um, where it's more that he's great, he's been great, and he's been good. Mm-hmm. And his worst is very, very good. I don't think... He's that nine-win player. He's going to be that nine-win player every season, um, you know, moving forward. But I don't think he's going to be that three-win player either. I think he, he'll be somewhere in between that. And I think that's, you know, a wonderful opportunity for a guy who's only 26 years, years old. So it seems very obvious to me that by the numbers, Bryce Harper fills a lot of gaps for the Cardinals as far as his play on the field. Now, we can talk if you want about where he fits in and the fact that the Cardinals have said uh, even in the last week that what they really need is infield help and Bryce Harper is an outfielder. We can talk about all of that. Um, However, I think the other side of what he brings to St. Louis is a really interesting conversation as well, because I threw it out there on Twitter the other day and just asked people who the the generational talent was, to borrow another phrase from Scott Boris, that kind of got them hooked on baseball because everybody has that guy, right? The guy that you imitate in the backyard or the number that you want to wear when you're playing Little League or the guy that you feel like every time you go into a series with the rival team, you're glad that that guy's on your side and, and you feel confident in that. Everyone has a different guy based on, you know, what generation they came up in. My question and how this ties into Bryce Harper was because I look at where the Cardinals are now and I wonder who that guy is for the next generation of Cardinals fans. This is, I mean, no disrespect to Paul DeYoung or even like a Jack Flaherty or a Carlos Martinez. Those guys are great. I'm not sure they're the surefire Hall of Famer, that's my guy kind of guy and I'm not sure where that player comes from uh, within the Cardinals organization right now Bryce Harper kind of becomes that automatically from day one doesn't he Uh, oh absolutely I I mean I think he's the most famous player in all regardless of talent um, I think he's the most famous player in all of baseball Um, Harper was famous 
before he even got to the Nationals. You know, Bryce Harper's been famous for a very long time now. And the fact that he got to the majors at a very young age and was pretty good pretty quickly um, and has, has more or less lived up to the hype, um, I, I think that's why he's, in my opinion, the most famous player in baseball. And so you move him to St. Louis, um, yeah, I, w- I would think little kids or older kids or whoever would immediately latch on to him. And, and just like the way he plays, I think would play well in St. Louis, like that sprinting to second with a helmet flying off and head first dive into second, you know, Cardinals fans love that stuff, you know, like whether it's Willie McGee going first to third or just something that can be perceived as like, you know, playing hard or hustling or whatever. I, I think, he would go over very, very well in St. Louis. And I think he would really be their first, you know, I'm not the first one to say this, probably because it's a pretty obvious point, but he would be really their first true superstar since Pujols left. Yeah, which is something that we've been (laughs) asking the team to do since Pujols left, right? I mean, they, they kind of filled in with Beltron for a while and then it was Matt Holiday and yeah. they've sort of been trying to find that guy ever since and yeah and to be fair it's not easy like like finding a guy right. who's like Albert Pujols is very very hard to do finding a guy like Bryce Harper is very hard and that's why this opportunity is so important now there's always a lot of chatter when you start getting to GM meetings into the winter meetings and I think what will be interesting is, as we mentioned earlier, where those conversations go, because the the reality is, yes, the Cardinals can afford Bryce Harper. I think we've established they probably should go after Bryce Harper. But will the Cardinals go after Bryce Harper hard enough to actually get a deal done because they're not the only team in this race. There was a, an article about the Phillies. Um, going pretty hard after him. Several different articles, actually. It seems like those two uh, throw in the mm-hmm. Giants. They seem to be the the three teams that are at least the most interested as far as what, what uh, quote, sources are, are saying at this point. So what do you think? This is out of that comfort zone. Is it past the puke point for John Mozilek <sighs> and Mike Hirsch? Well, well look, I, I think... You look at Jason Hayward, where they offered a um, a very comparable deal um, at Chicago, and he chose Chicago. Um, David Price is a little different because they got it sounded like they almost had him, and they thought they had him, and then they got outbid um, severely by Boston. So whether they just lacked ingenuity there or what happened, I don't know. Um, but then you have Stanton, who you know he he kind of let us down easy in that he pretty quickly said, "I'm not coming to St. Louis." Um, so I think if they don't, if they offer him a comparable deal or even a better deal and he doesn't come, I think it's time that Mazela kind of looks at the fans and says, like, obviously, I, I'm doing something that's not working or we're doing something that's not working. I'm not saying he needs to, like, and then resign or something like that. But I do think there needs to be a little bit of introspection of, like, what are we doing here? Why can we not get these players to come to what is what I think everyone would agree is a very, very good baseball town, a team that also it's not like it's hard to envision the Cardinals being in the postseason again anytime soon. You know, I think we said last time that a player like Harper, I think, would push them over that edge to where they should be absolutely a postseason contender. So 
if with all those pieces in place, if they still can't get marquee talent to come to St. Louis, the front office needs to figure out why that is. So let me ask you this, uh, sort of leading to your last question, will Bryce Harper come to St. Louis? Um, I mean, you're in the D.C. area, you know, uh, probably better than I do what the uh, what the um, temperature is, I-, I guess, so to speak, of baseball fans in the area. Mm-hmm. How how does that compare for a guy like Bryce Harper, who loves the game, who loves the history of the game, who loves the intensity of the competition, who wants to win to to kind of think about St. Louis as a place to play? compared to where he's been playing for the Nationals. The Nationals are kind of interesting because they've, you know, they they arrived here in 2005 and you basically have two kinds of Nats fans. You have um uh, kind of because it's such a transient town and so you have people who just kind of like whatever, I live here now. I, I you know, I'll live here for 3 or 4 years and I'll latch onto them while I'm here um and cheer for them, but you know, I'm not going to live and die with the team. But then you also have some true Nats fans who either grew up in this area or close to the area who never had a team or they just cheered for like the Orioles or the Braves because those were the most convenient teams, but they were never like all, you know, all in, like you can be with a team that's actually in your city. Um, and, and those are really true Nats fans. Um, and they, they really, really love the team. They love Harper. Um, you know, Nats Park is kind of, you know, it's not quite St. Louis. It's not, it's not as full as St. Louis is. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of hard for me to say because, I, you know, I, since I don't live in St. Louis, I, you know, it's not like I go to games all the time. And, but, you know, I certainly watch all the games on TV. And, you know, you can certainly tell a lot by that, that the stadium, last few years that it's dipped a little bit, but the stadium is usually pretty packed, um, especially you get the right matchup and it's going to be a big crowd. Um, and the Nets don't quite have that, but it's a good baseball town. It's a good baseball experience. And if they offer him the most money, then I think he wouldn't care regardless. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. So is that, is that the answer to your last question? Does Bryce Harper come to St. Louis pretty much if they make him the best offer? (laughs) If they make him the best offer, I think he does. If they make him a comparable offer or just one that's like slightly more attractive money wise, but maybe say doesn't have like the opt outs that someone else offers him. I don't think he does. I I hate to say it. Um, I still think I don't trust the Cubs right now. I know they're laying low and kind of saying like, you know, we're not involved in this or at least that's what they're feeding beat reporters. I still feel like that's where he ends up. Interesting. If like a beat reporter is listening to this, which, you know, I think I can be confident that I don't have to worry about that. But in, in the event Derek Gold is listening. What do you mean? Everyone's in the event Derek Gold is listening to this and he's offended by me saying that because he's he's reported, you know, he's a great reporter. He's been reporting that, you know, look, I'm talking to a Cubs beat reporter right now. And he's saying they are absolutely not getting Harper. Um, yeah, I get that. But I don't I just maybe the Cubs are in my head. I don't know. You know, th- there's that friendship with Brian. I just feel like that's where he's he's been wanting to go. And if the Cubs, if Theo wants to make it happen, he will convince the team, like, that. look, we need to pay this money, and, and somehow they'll figure it out. I really hope I'm wrong. Um, that would be my answer if I had to take a guess at it. What do you think? Well, I think that now everyone who did like our podcast <laughs> is probably going to be like... <laughs> 
Well, Alex just said Bryce Harper's going to the Cubs. So no, um, that was that was my guess all along was that he was going to end up in Chicago. I, I think maybe I've I've bought into uh, what has been reported a bit more about the Cubs um, based on what's happened so far in the offseason. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised by that just because that's sort of what I had assumed was going to happen um, based on the Cubs and their ability to destroy all hope. Well, if you remember Hayward, um, it wasn't a secret that maybe they were interested, but they did a really good job of of tamping that down. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because that's essentially what John Moselec tries to do every Mm -hmm. offseason, right? Is say, we're we're not solely focused on Bryce Harper. Mm -hmm. We're actually really trying to upgrade the infield. When the reality is, yeah, that's what they actually need to upgrade. But if they can get Harper... They also need a superstar, so right. they'll figure out what yeah. to do with the infield and the outfield when it happens. As far as where I think he ends up, man, it's been a long time since I've been this invested in a particular player that I wanted the Cardinals to go out and get. Um, so I, I feel like I'm going to be pretty crushed by <laughs> any place he ends up other than St. Louis, just because I, I see so much good coming out of uh, Bryce Harper in St. Louis. But um, you know, again, the Phillies wouldn't surprise me. Um, the Cubs are not so much on my radar right now, but maybe that's a mistake on my part. Um, but I, I've, I have no idea what's actually going to happen. Oh, because... let me be clear. Neither do I. <laughs> I don't either. I... <laughs> I just can't even offer a, a real solid guess because man, I've gone from, you know, a couple of days ago thinking there's no way he doesn't end up in St. Louis to, there's no way he doesn't end up in Philly to, I don't know, there's going to be some random mystery team that shows up and ruins it for everyone. Um, which I guess, as long as that mystery team isn't the Cubs, that might be the the next best option, right? It's just some team, some AL team that's mostly irrelevant to the Cardinals all the time. Like the White Sox um, or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The winter meetings will be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. So it's it's all just getting started is the moral of this this long story is that there's a lot to say about Bryce Harper because he is that one of a kind talent. He may not be the best in the game right now, but he's certainly one of those guys. And there's plenty of reason to sort of bend over backwards to to get him in St. Louis. But ultimately, that's a decision that he gets to make, not us. So, you know, Bryce, if you're listening, <laughs> um, you know, we'll, we'll try to make it worth your while. All right. I think that just about wraps it up on Harper. But uh, Alex has a, a chirp of the week. I think the name's going to stick. The chirp of the week it is. First, did you know that Bryce Harper has two middle names? I did not know that. Well, at least according to Wikipedia, but Aaron and Max. Huh. See, you're getting a Bryce Harper chirp of the week before he's even a Cardinal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So today is, uh, well, at least the day that I believe this is going to post is November 14th. And that, and that means it is Kent Bottenfield's um, 50th birthday. And this is pretty well known uh, throughout most Cardinals fans, but we owe a lot to Kent Bottenfield. Um, and, and this is why. He signed with the Cardinals before the 98 season. Um, in 1999, he went 18-7 and seven with a 3.97 ERA, uh, which doesn't sound awesome, but you got to remember, 1999 was kind of a fun, funny year in baseball. You know, it was lots of home runs. The National League 
um, average for starters for ERA was 4.66. So he was well, well below average and he had an ERA plus of 116. Um, so he was, he was decent. Um, however, his, his fifth was above league average in the NL. So it might've been a little bit smoke and mirrors. He didn't strike out a lot of guys, um, but he still made an all-star game. Well, about a week before the season started in 2000, the Cardinals parlayed that Kent Bottenfield all-star season, as most know, and packaged him with Adam Kennedy to the Anaheim Angels for a surly center fielder uh, named Jim Edmonds. I know that guy. <laughs> and you can almost say after that, the uh, the rest is history. Um, Bottenfield barely pitched after that, and Edmonds went on to almost have uh, what was close to a Hall of Fame career um, cemented in St. Louis. Uh, I say almost, which isn't entirely true because he fell off the ballot after the first year, but he absolutely should not have. Um, And on December 14th, 2007, Edmonds was traded to the San Diego Padres for David Fries. Know that guy too. Yeah, and we all know how much joy uh, David Fries brought to our lives. Um, and then on November 22nd, 2013, Fries and Fernando Salas was, were traded to the Los Angeles Angels for Peter Burgos and uh, Randall Gritchick. And Burgos didn't work out that great. Um, even though he was kind of the centerpiece of that trade. Uh, but we had some good times with Randall Gritchick. Uh, I can think of a lot of home runs, a lot of home runs against the Cubs. He always seemed to hit well yeah, against the Cubs. Yeah. I certainly appreciated that. Then early this year, on January 19th, 2018, we traded Gritchick to Toronto for Connor Green, who's currently, I think, in the Pacific Coast League. I don't know. I'd have to ask Kyle about that. And Dominic Leone. So unless Dominic Leone can kind of turn into this reliever who's going to be on the mound for like the end of a World Series, like we might have seen the fruits of the Kent Bottenfield trade tree. But I think we should all appreciate him um, because he helped us bring, helped us indirectly bring two titles to St. Louis um, that we would probably not have but for him having an 18-7 record and being an all-star in 1999. And that's awesome. So happy birthday, Kent Bottenfield. And I think he's pretty self-aware about this. I think last year on Twitter, uh, I, I think he actually had ex- an exchange about this with John Fleming, um, uh, who, a guy who I used to write with at Viva Alberto's, and I write with sometimes at uh, St. Louis Bullpen. Good guy, John Fleming. Um, so yeah, Kent Bottenfield's awesome. We thank you, Kent Bottenfield, for your 1999 season um, and all the fruits that came with it. Thank you for your contributions to the joy of many Cardinals fans. And happy birthday from uh, from Chirps. <laughs> we should put him, he should be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. I'm saying that right now. Yeah. There you go. He should be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame and his plaque should just talk about Jim Edmonds and David Freeze. <laughs> People will be like, who is this guy again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, right. Well, there you go. There's your Chirp of the Week. Um, and now you should all go tell Ken Bottenfield uh, happy birthday and uh, and thank you. All right. I think that just about does it for episode two. Alex, I'm sure we'll talk more about Bryce Harper as the offseason goes along, but uh, I think that was a pretty good start. Yeah, that was fun. So how about all of all of you chime in? Let us know what you think about Bryce Harper and if you think he, in fact, will end up with the Cardinals or the Cubs or the Phillies or someone else. And make sure that you uh, do us a favor and other people who like to listen to podcasts about the Cardinals. Uh, If you rate and review the podcast, 
Uh, that helps other people find the show too. So you can help us spread the word that way. And uh, we will talk at you again next week with episode three, as long as, you know, you all like episode two well enough. <laughs> we'll talk to you then. Bye.